As you can see, we're at the front end of a series called The Story of the Bible, looking at where it came from and what the big picture means. Uh, we're sort of pressing the pause button, although this is going to fit into our, our series as well, because we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, if you were here at a marriage event this weekend, you've already heard from Pastor Russ Austin, he and his wife Debbie, who had to go back early, uh, Pastor South Point Community Church in Jacksonville, Florida, a tremendous church, multi-ethnic, touching their city, it's, it's a tremendous place. Uh, Russ actually used to pastor here in Texas, both in Dallas and then in Midland for a number of years before moving to Jacksonville where he lives now. He's got three kids and a bunch of grandkids who all call him Papa. And anyway, he uh, did a great job for us this weekend serving us. If you were here six months ago, uh, then you, you heard from Russ. He was here uh, back in the fall. He did our men's retreat. We had him back for a marriage event. So he, he's just a friend of this church. Uh, he's been a mentor to Carrie and me over the years. And really, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be who we are. And I think this church wouldn't be what it is without his encouragement and, uh, and confidence in us as a people to become what God's enabled us to become. So would you guys all please give a warm welcome for our dear friend today, Pastor Russ Austin. I think we need, we need a music stand here, so I'm going to run off stage and get it. Good morning. While they get my furniture, whoa, sounded funny to myself. Let's see who we've got here this time. You are kind of packed in here little sardine thing going on with your warm clothes. There, now I feel better. Now you can't see me as well. <laughs> um, been a ton of fun. Just in case I get tired. I look that bad, John? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, um, <clears throat> I had a great weekend this weekend uh, with all of you that were... At the marriage weekend, it was really, really special. Great people. Um, I love being here with you all. I love your pastor and his wife. I'm going to take some credit here uh, for the success of this church. And so let me just tell you how it works. When he was a campus director for Every Nation, um, and we were in Nashville, and he was thinking about coming to Austin. You, some of you in the retreat heard me say this yesterday. <clears throat> I was sitting with him, and he's he was trying to determine whether it was the best thing to do and was what God was saying to him. And I knew the, uh, the years of this church. I, I knew what uh, God wanted to do with it. I'd seen the deposit that so many amazing people had made here that were still here. And it needed, it needed to be everything that God had ordained for it to become. And it needed to honor all the commitment and hard work that people had put into it. And I said, Morgan, you could do this. You have the right personality, you have the right gifting, you have the right strengths. And this was before I knew Carrie. And then when I found out Carrie was there, I said, now you have to do it. She's amazing. The two of you can go down there and do this and, uh, and look at this, what God is doing. So I'm taking credit and, uh, for as much of this as I possibly can, but I'm so proud of what they've done and, uh, and, and where it's gone. Now, I did say he was going to get here a lot faster, so I was somewhat disappointed with his pace. That's a joke. That's a joke. You're going to have to get used to me right now. I can see you weren't here for the weekend. You have to get used to me. I'm pretty much uh, normal talk about 10% of the time and sarcastic 90% of the time. It's kind of how I roll. And uh, so you'll have to, um, uh, have to bear with me there. All right. Is there some way whatever that light is can go away? It can't. 
And, um, and so that one that makes me, my shadow, go right there, if that could go away, that would be great. Now, I asked if I could do this some weeks ago, and so I want to take a little bit of my time to do this. Um, this church is a part of what we call every nation. Now, I know your regular person that goes here, you may hear that and it kind of goes right over because this is your church. And we, listen, we understand that. We don't think everybody's got to know everything about every nation to be a part of this church, but it is important that you know that it is, that it's a part of the church, um, part of every nation. And that's a family of churches around the world that somewhere, now watch this gap, between 1,000 and 2,000 churches. But the numbers vary because in certain continents, we have a hard time keeping track of some of them, especially in the Congo. And um, so you'll hear different numbers, but it's probably somewhere 1,500 would be the safe number around the globe. We're 25 years old, so we're a super young movement. And um, Pastor Morgan and Carrie have been a part of it ever since they came into the kingdom of God, basically, and, uh, and have been a part of its growth. And so in every region of the world, so like in Africa or in Asia or South America or North America, there are regional teams that conduct business for the movement in that region of the world and help things stay value-driven, help it stay on track and make sure it's honoring Jesus and what we're doing to build our churches is honoring to God and his kingdom. So in North America, there's a team of 10 plus one Canadian. And uh, he's, there's actually 11 of us, but I won't ever let him be a part of the North American scene. So I was telling him we're 10 plus one and, uh, and tease him all the time about it. And he tells me he's just processing through my events and my thoughts. And, and um, but so uh, as time has gone on, that team for the last um, probably 12 years has been operating together. And a lot of those are my close friends. But of three of the guys, we're starting to get older and different guys are aging out and say, I don't want to do that anymore. And we have these amazing young guys in our movement, like amazing Pastor Morgan being one of them, and there's several, at least a dozen of them that we've been working with for a number of years, and they're just tremendous. Well, three guys stepped off the North American leadership team, so that means we had to put in three. So out of the 12, uh, we called through the list, and, um, uh, and everybody got to vote privately. Of course, I made phone calls. I really did. And, uh, and I said, you have Morgan on there, don't you? And, um, and, uh, and, so, um, uh, and so Morgan has been put on the North American leadership team. It's quite an honor. So you should be proud of him. It's a very, very cool thing. So please give him honor. Now, I know him, I, this always happens. That's why I wanted to make this announcement. And um, is that somebody will go, is that me? Now we're going to lose him. Uh, no, you get a better him. And I mean that. Um, uh, this, it's, it's not a big time consuming thing. There's probably three times a year. He's got to step on a plane and go somewhere and meet with guys, make some super important decisions, help everything keep going the, the same direction, but it's not something he would go to do. It would be a downgrade for him. It would be a step down. I'm serious. I'm not trying to, it would literally, it, he would, he couldn't make a living. We don't pay the guy for that, you know? And so he's not leaving you. He's not going to be giving you less. And actually because of what has happened with me, I can guarantee you he's going to become more. He's going to become broader. He's going to get bigger shoulders. He's going to be a better leader. And I think that's all getting him and Carrie and all of you ready for this amazing bust out at Mosaic Church, Austin, Texas. So one more time, can you give some honor to your pastor and his wife for what they're doing? Amazing. All right, let me tilt this up so I can find my, the hair. I'll, I'll beat that light. All right, I'm good now, guys. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, it's off? Thanks. 
All right. How many of you have heard the term word of the Lord? Have you said it, word of the Lord? It's all through scripture, word of the Lord. Now, I listened to Pastor Morgan last night. I listened to the last few weeks of your messages and, and uh, listened to the one last night on the story of the Bible. That was amazing. First of all, I don't know how much prep time it takes to put that kind of thing together, but that was amazing. And um, you guys are in for a ride on this story of the Bible. I've never seen it quite done like that and presented like that, and it's so cool. And, uh, and honestly, I couldn't have jumped on with that. I'm not smart enough, and, uh, and, and I'm not going to take that much time to prep. And, uh, and, and so, that's the way it goes. At my age, you make your own decisions. And, uh, and so... Uh, and, but you, uh, but I listened to it. I thought, man, that is really good. But I do it actually, what I'm about to say connects in this way. When I'm listening to the pastor talk about that, I'm going, man, it's giving a greater validation and legitimacy to scripture. It's making me hold my Bible in my hands, go, there's a bunch of things that we know to be true because of what pastor said this weekend about this Bible that makes me believe it even more. It cuts off certain doubt channels that the enemy can bring against the Word of God when you're reading. It just, there's certain things. So anything that makes my Bible more powerful in my hand fits what I'm about to say because I want to talk about what it means to have the Word of the Lord and the place that you get the first and foremost. Everybody say first, first. and foremost. Amen. Way to get the Word of the Lord is from Scripture. Yeah. Now listen, now don't panic on me, but that's not the only way. But that is first and foremost and has to take prime, prime priority. And so when your pastor's up talking about the power of the Bible and the Jews of the Bible, validating Scripture, it's helping us all in this. So I want to look at Samuel chapter uh, 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. All right? Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord, there it is, was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Samuel, here am I. Now, I'm going to just give you a Reader's Digest end of the story. Samuel runs into Eli because he hears his name. He said, what do you want? Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Happens again. Then it happens again. The next time he comes in, Sam, or Eli says to Samuel, you know what? He thinks to himself, the Lord must be speaking to him. He said, this time, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Happens again. Samuel goes, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God gives him this message that's to be given to Eli. That message doesn't matter right now. Just know this. Samuel heard the Lord, but didn't know he was hearing the Lord. Samuel heard the Lord, but didn't know he was hearing the Lord. And though, if, if anybody in this room is going, I wish I could hear God. You already did. If you're a believer, you already did. And you ready for this? If you don't believe in a thing I'm saying today or church or pastors or Christians or anything, if you're here today, I promise you once you've already heard the word of the Lord. And I'll validate that before this service is over. So Samuel is this picture of us getting used to hearing the word of the Lord. So what we want to get today is to a place where we want that word 
and where we stop and go, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Because we, it, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and we don't want rare. And we have rare in North America. We don't want rare. It's like in the days of Amos, chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. This is horrifying. Horrifying that the word would be rare. Now watch what happens when the, when the word of the Lord is rare. And you're going, are you going to tell us a little bit more about what that is? That's what I'm going to do for the whole day. But when that is rare, what I'm talking about this. Now, I, here's what I called it in the first service. I want to call it this. It's this thing. It's this thing. You're going, thing? That's the best you got, Russ? Every other word I know to use, you would, I would run the risk of you stereotyping me. Like if I said, it's a rhema word. You'd go, oh, I know where you're from. If, if I said it was a revelation of God, you'd go, I know where you're from. So we're just going to call it a thing. A thing that happens inside of you, down somewhere like underneath your head. Whatever part of your body, heart, gut, whatever you're comfortable with. It's underneath your head. But now listen, it's important that you understand that your head has to be engaged properly for you to hear the word of the Lord as spoken. So when you're reading your Bible, you want to study the scriptures. You want to do word studies. You want to find out what that verse really means. You want to find out what it is saying in context. You don't want to play Bible roulette and just pull verses out of outer space and think you know what they mean. All that stuff that you're taught by your pastor. When he's up here teaching the Bible, you want to learn what he's saying. You don't want to just look for the feeling. You want to learn. We have to want to learn because that's how he keeps our mind right, keeps our head straight. It's the guardrails. It's the guide for us as we receive the thing. You need this to receive the thing or you'll go do crazy things with the thing. So it's important that we have both. But this word of the Lord, when it comes in, this thing happens in you, it changes you. This thing moves your volition. It moves your will. I don't think this does. I know people who know a ton and don't obey any of it. Obedience comes from the thing, not from the knowledge. It moves your volition. It moves your will. It pushes you on. It makes you make a decision. It drives you to something else. It causes motion. It creates something of energy to make you do something how many of you know we need that thing this morning? How many of you know your marriage needs that word of the Lord in you? Because the word of the Lord, now listen, the word of the Lord pulls you through tough times. This doesn't. You need a feeling. You need a certain, you say, Russia, you're going emotional. No, no, no. It's how all of Scripture is written. Their hearts burn. They were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and he was talking to them, but he was in disguise. They didn't realize who it was. And then when he finally revealed who he was and he disappeared, the two of them looked at each other. You know, we should have known it was him because when he was speaking, I just learned so much. That's not what they said. They said, my heart burned inside me. What he would say is something below my head was on fire. 
And that's what Christianity is supposed to be. Now, when Christianity, when churches aren't like that, when God's people don't have that, certain things happen. Societal norms are sick. When people go, man, our society is just terrible, we can do something about it. We are to be salt and light. And Jesus said if salt loses its saltiness, it's no good but to be thrown out and trodden under our feet. We're to be light, but if you put it under a basket, it's no good. So what he was saying was, he said, so what is salt and light? Would I learn? No, who you are, what the expression of your life is, what the fruit is growing on the branches of your soul as it goes out and other people can taste and see that God is good from your life. What the world needs today is a lot more salt and a lot more light. And I don't want to condemn the church. I just want to say, we can do it. We just got to get the word of the Lord. We got to want the word of the Lord again. Is everybody with me? So society goes bad. Families are dysfunctional. Families need so bad, so bad dad to come home with a word of the Lord burning in him for that family. You know, I didn't say this in the first service. I got to be real careful here. And um, uh, all my life, Debbie said, please stop telling people that, which never works. And, um, but this is, I want you to hear this. I've been married 45 years, whatever the ninth was yesterday I just, at least I knew the date and um, and uh, but uh, and so I was preaching this message here just recently and I said guys would it be so hard for you to just right before you walk out the door rather than do the hug and kiss thing or hey I love you babe babe's the thing you know babe and, uh, and so I love you babe and I said what if you just went over and do the 30 second Put your hand, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And then when I'm done, you pray a 30-second blessing over me. Not a long prayer. Not intercession. Lord, help my husband with all of his idiot ideas. <laughs> Jesus' name. Just change his heart. Oh, God, he's hard-hearted. And he just, he has no emotional life. He's just a block. He's, he can't talk, Lord. Help his dumb spirit. He has a dumb spirit. And, um, and so, it's, <laughs> all right, let's stop before the clock runs out. And, um. It's a blessing. And so I'm praying. And, it, and here's what I just thought. And I said, gang, I want to tell you this. I've been married 45 years. I've never done that. I mean, I pray for each other and this stuff, but I've never done that. And I thought, why have I never done that? So I got done. I was driving home from church. I said, Debbie, we're doing that. She goes, why did you tell everybody we don't? I said, because we don't. <laughs> I said, because we, we've never done that. I said, I don't think I'm a bad person. Do you feel bad? Well, I kind of feel bad. I said, I don't feel bad. So we've done it every day since then. Pray a little prayer. Word of the Lord start burning in me. Homes need the word of the Lord. He said, that's the word of the Lord? Of course it is. The Lord said, do this. Is that a verse? No. Is love your wife as Christ loves the church a verse? Yes. Is that where the word of the Lord came from in me? Yes. All right. Families are dysfunctional when there's no word of the Lord. Ladies, you need a word from God inside of you, burning to raise those babies and walk with that man. Sure makes life better. God's people, I'm sorry, uh, number three is the churches are filled with people going through the motions. When there's no word of the Lord, you're just here kind of waiting for it to happen to you. You came to church hoping it was going to happen to you, and I'm not, listen, I'm glad you're here, and so is pastor. And really, I mean, if if you're struggling and you're not feeling it, come to church. It's actually smart. I don't ever condemn people for showing up to church with their spirits low. I'm going, thank God, come on, we'll help you. 
But it is better to come this other way, to come with the word of the Lord in you. We're going to sing. There's going to be other people singing. There's a band. It's going to be live. There's going to be faith in the room. I can't wait to change the atmosphere. I can't wait to sing those songs. I can't wait to do this. I'm going to sing another hallelujah. I'm going to sing louder. This is how I fight my battle. Man, I praise God. I'm going to let faith loose in this room, and it's going to touch other people. People are going to get healed during the praise service. They're going to get changed during the worship service. It is better to come that way. I'm just saying it's better, but if you're here without that, thank God you're here, but I want you to leave the way everybody wanted to come in so but when you come in with the word of the lord the church service is better otherwise you go through the motions i check that box i check that box i check that box i check that box now i'm a good believer don't live that way that's so low from what god has for you all right taking too much time here churches are filled with people going through the motion god god's people are losing battles and therefore credibility you get out there with no word of the lord inside of you and you just lose you just fall and fall, and then the next thing you go, you got no credibility. That's not what God wants. we got to have a word from God. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, let me press forward a little bit because I want to go to another place in Scripture. Um, but before I do, I want to tell you what the word of the Lord is and what it isn't. I'm going to go through these quickly, so you're going to have to do like college notes or something, which is now turn on your phone and record. And uh, it's a lot different than it was in my day. You know what I'm saying? We had to learn how to do shorthand, litty-bitty notes. Now you got this bunch of button sissies. All right, so... <laughs> Good for you. God, I'm just jealous. I'm like, where was that phone when I was there? Flunked all those tests. All right. Now, so here we go. The word of the Lord is not always a scripture, but it always aligns perfectly with scripture. I'll say it again. The word of the Lord is not always a scripture, but it always aligns perfectly with scripture. You got some weird thing that doesn't line up with scripture. You got a word from something else. All right. Number two, it is a direction, an assignment, or a calling. It's, it, it, in other words, it isn't like this thing sits in you and you go, oh, it always takes you somewhere. Always. The word of the Lord takes you. So even if he goes, but I feel like he's just saying he loves me. But when there's love in you and it flows like a river, you're going somewhere. The word of the Lord is always going to direct, call you, or assign you to something. Always. It is not a teaching, but it can come in a teaching. Pastor's up here speaking and teaching the Bible, and thank God he doesn't speak all in verses, Right? that he explains things and he has points and he's trying to teach your mind and open up. But as he's opening your mind, what he's praying, I promise you, is that that seeps down and somewhere something drops down out of that head into the heart and soul and becomes the word of the Lord. And you walk out of here and go, I heard God today. It's important. It's important. So it's something specific that the spirit is saying to you, put your finger on your chest and go, "Me." me. It isn't for somebody else. You're going, but I've had a word for somebody else. That's something else. Pastor will teach on that another time. That's another thing. It's not what I'm talking about. That does happen, and and it happens, I think, when people think it is and it really isn't a lot, but that's something Pastor will teach on another time. I'm talking about the thing that God is saying to you about you. That's what I'm talking about. It's an amplification of a truth for a given moment in your life. In other words, it's a truth that's always true, But in a given moment of time when you're going through something, you're facing something, he needs that thing to blow up inside of you so that it moves you through or into his will for your life. So it's an amplification of a truth. And and you say, does it subside? Actually, sometimes it does. It subsides, but it still holds on as a truth, but it's not the truth that's guiding a lot of your decisions and thoughts while another one moves up into that place as it guides you through another place. We need to hear a progressive, ongoing conversation of words from God in our life to help us do well. 
Everybody still with me? Yeah. All right. Uh, it's never a revel- I told you it's not a revelation for someone else. Uh, if he wants to tell them, he'll tell them. All right, so don't forget that. Uh, and then I want to make sure I don't forget this. Um, it's a direction, a confirmation, an assurance, a correction. Yes, it is. So I, it should always feel good when God talks to me. Here's what feels good. If you don't turn around, your marriage is going to go south. Let me correct you right now. Sounds like love to me. Sounds like love to me. Bridges out. Somebody took down the sign. You're going to die if you keep driving that direction. Don't you want the Lord to go, hey, turn it around. Because you don't know and he does. It's a, it's a correction, a prohibition, and it's all for your benefit in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, let's go from all of that so we kind of know what it is and what it isn't. Look at John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, but he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here's Jesus. There's so many I could have picked. I just picked that one. Where Jesus is saying, when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. All right? And then he's going to speak to you. He's going to talk to you somewhere and so we're going somewhere how does he speak to us jesus over and over again says for him who hath ears let him hear now he's talking to people that are hearing him their ears worked their physical ears so we know he means something else you've been taught this so he means that something about the way god speaks to us is internal it's in our inner man and he likens it so we can understand he likens it to hearing In other words, when I hear pastors speak, an idea forms in me, and that's what he's trying to do. He's using words to put an idea in my mind so that he can move me to a better place. God goes, I'm going to do whatever it is. He says, I'm going to speak in your inner being, and it's going to form an idea. There's ears. You have the capacity created by God. You have inner ears to hear God in that way, an idea is formed that you know to be absolutely true and you're absolutely certain of because you heard it in your spirit, man, your soul. This is what Jesus is saying, and it's important to us, all right? I told you what it is and what it's not. So we know that God wants to talk to us, and he is talking to you more than you think, but we're a lot like Samuel. We're getting up and running somewhere else thinking we heard something else. Now, you have to get trained in this. You have to get progressive in it. It's why when we say read the Bible, study the Bible, because the more you know about the Bible, the more you know how God speaks. The Bible is his native language. And the more you know of Scripture, the more you're able to recognize his voice in your inner man. Now, I want to finish today. You're going to finish? What? Okay, you'll get it. Because I think one of the greatest examples of in, in, in the movie world of the Word of the Lord is the one I'm about to give you. In fact, it may be the best ever. It may be the best ever. Okay, so let me take you to the scene. Adrian is unconscious in the hospital. Adrian being Rocky's wife. Now, if you do not know that, there's something wrong with you. We all know Rocky is the 13th disciple. 
And, uh, and so it, it's, it, he's just a man of God. And, uh, and so it, it, when, you, when you look at this whole movie, Adrian has had things happen to her, and she's in the hospital in a coma, and she's been fighting with Rocky through the whole movie, which is a great marital picture. It's just this beautiful thing because he wants to keep fighting. She wants him to stop fighting, and he won't stop fighting, and she's just frustrated with him and then next thing you know she's in a coma so you see rocky man of god in the prayer chapel remember he's in the chapel seeking the lord see and uh and uh, so he's in there seeking the lord and then you know he's praying all the time and then he comes to the bedside and of course we know adrian's gonna wake up we're all waiting for it right we're going come on come on and it's always gonna be the fluttering eye thing and you know our finger's gonna move we're going finally because we're all here to watch rocky exercise that's why we're all in this movie but this is one of the most romantic scenes ever. And so he's there praying beside. He's got his head down and something happens. And he looks up and she's coming to consciousness. And, and he goes, whoa, yo, Adrian. <laughs> he goes, I, I won't fight anymore. No, I, I'm done. I'm done, Adrian. We'll figure it out. Just me and you. <laughs> and I thought that was super romantic. Well, that was really cool. He's sacrificing everything for his girl. I thought that was super cool. Don't you girls? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then the scene. She goes, come here. He goes, what? She goes, come here. Remember the scene? And he leans up. And she goes, when? He goes, what? Or he actually goes, what? You know, I have to do this another time today. I'm getting sick of myself. All right. And so, and he goes, what? She goes, when? Log on the back going through the snow. All the guys are in there going, I'm Rocky. I'm Rocky. It went from here here and when it got here everything changed your marriage needs the word of the Lord raising babies needs the word of the Lord building a great church needs the word of the Lord getting that contract pulled off at your job without losing your sanity or your convictions needs the word of the Lord we need to be a people who have not made the word of the Lord such a dark, weird mystery, walking around like, I've heard the word. Quit that. Don't even tell anybody you heard the word of the Lord. Let them see the testimony. I don't go around going, I heard God right now. Uh, look, I want to be credible whether I heard it or not. The word of the Lord is for me to drive me through and push me through. So I want to finish with this story. I was 26 years old. I said that wrong in the first service, and everybody laughed at me. I was 26 years old. I'm two of those plus now. And um, Debbie and I were pa youth pastors in Dallas, Texas, and we wanted to plant a church. And this was before the days of planting a church. There were no organizations helping you learn how and, and everything. But we thought we wanted to go try and do our own, and we were kind of crazy that way. And the pastor that we were with wouldn't 
let us be within an hour of him. And so we were looking for cities around Texas and, and uh, heard about Midland, Texas. And they were in a big oil boom at that time, and there weren't very many churches there. And they said, go look at it. This guy said, you should go look. So we went and looked. It's, it's pretty ugly. And uh, I want you to know that. I lived there for 18 years, so I could say whatever I want about it. And I want you to know, I'm not, I'm not, they know I do it all the time. They hear me online all the time going, thank God for Florida. Thank God for Florida. There's trees. And uh, but it, it, so it's, um, I, we go out there and we look around and say, man, we should come here. And somebody had told me about a wealthy man who lived there said, he might help you. You should meet with him. So I go to the Kettle Restaurant on Highway 80, Midland, Texas, 1982. And I get in there and I sit down with him. And I'm going, hey, I'm thinking about planting a church. And I would love to see if you would help us. And man, I did my vision. I threw everything in but the kitchen sink. When you're 26 and on fire, man, you can paint a vision. I mean, I had a vision. This thing was amazing. I was impressed by it. And I put this whole thing out. And he goes, well, let me think about it. And he said, let's have breakfast in the morning. So we go home. I'm pretty excited because he didn't tell me no the first time. And if you're a young visionary, if they don't tell you the first time, you think you already got the word. No, I did. I thought, oh, see, that's it. right? That's God. He's coming back with money, all kinds of stuff. We're going to do this. Thank God. He's probably going to join the church, be his associate pastor. We go to breakfast. He sits down with me. He said, I met with my wife last night, and I'm sitting there, and he goes, he says, we are convinced you should not come to this city. So we do not want you to come to this city. We think it's going to kill you. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You don't know what it's going to take. He went for like 15 minutes. I was going, hey, pal, don't you want to leave? I, I mean, I, he took every ounce of energy out of me that you could find. I want you to hear what I said. He took every ounce. I was done. When he was done, I was done. Debbie and I just sat there. When he left, we looked at each other and went, oh, no. So we go back to our hotel room. And uh, I said, well, Debbie, we'll just go back to Dallas. It's not, I thought that would be the word of the Lord. See, I was, looking for a, I was looking for a thing that wasn't the thing. I didn't know that then. And so I told Debbie, she said, I'm going to take a nap. I said, I'm going to go out and sit in a hot tub and try to soak away the devil's miseries. <laughs> I'm going to go bubble my, bubble in my pain, you know what I mean? So I go out to the hot tub and I'm, I'm sitting there, because that's how men sit in a hot tub. We put our arms up. <laughs> I'm sitting in a hot tub all by myself, bubbling and bubbling away. And then this guy comes walking across the deal, and I'm mad at the devil. This guy made me mad. And when I get mad, I get super competitive, like somebody needs to get hurt. And so I'm just sitting there, and I look at him coming across the thing. I'm going, I'm going to win that man to Jesus. Show you, devil. Now, that's not why you're supposed to win souls. You're supposed to win souls because you're in love with people, because you want God to save them. I just wanted to hurt the devil. I didn't care about this man. And, uh, and so he comes over, and he pulls off his shirt. And I'm, I'm going to leave out the details on that one because everybody kind of always goes, ooh. And uh, so I'm not going to do that this time. But if you want to hear the first service, there's some good stuff in there. And, uh, but it, and, so I, and, he, and he sits down in the hot tub, and so I go, I start my little thing. Hey, what do you do for a living? Because that always works for us as ministers. What do you do for a living? Hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a minister. Hey, how, are you want to be born again, get saved? And, uh, and so... It, <laughs> and so... Um, and so and I swear, thing, I, I, he goes, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Phoenix, Arizona. I went, I'm stuck with a Christian. <laughs> I'm stuck with a Christian. Why do I have a Christian? I don't want a Christian in this hot tub. I want an adultering, drunk, lying, abusive man that I can slay for Jesus' name and kingdom. I got a, I got a Christian, and he's a Baptist. 
which I love Baptists. Love Baptists, love Presbyterian. Love, I actually love the body of Christ. I think they're really cool on their different expressions. But I make fun of everybody, including my own. And uh, so we start talking. I've got I to gotta close up here. So we start talking. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, that's what he goes. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and he doesn't say anything. It was like his turn to talk. You know, one of those things. And he's just looking at me, and I'm looking at him. Like, <laughs> I thought, this is a little weird. Because once I realized who he was, he's a pastor of a church that had 6,000 people in it. So now I'm being honoring and all that stuff now. <laughs> and he waits. He hesitates so long, it was awkward. And then he goes, I want to tell you something. Now, there's a way you say that. There's, I got this idea, or I'm feeling something right now. And I knew this was a miracle because he was a Baptist. <laughs> so I am listening intently to Richard Jackson. I mailed him a letter later, got a hold of him, and told him what happened as a result of his moment with me. He said, son, you're supposed to come. You need to get your wife and you need to get down here. There's people here for you. This city needs you and you're supposed to be here. He said, son, I can't talk to you about it right now. I've got to get to my seminar he said but you got to come and he got up and walked off I watched him <laughs> until he got just far enough out of sight and I'm out of time he got just out of sight and as soon as he got out of sight I ran I'm not exaggerating not one part of this story I ran I forgot my towel I ran across the thing wet ran in the room busted in there got Debbie out of her nap and I go we are coming to Midland Texas and she goes, what now? And I told her the whole story. And Debbie was kind of crazy, too, in those days. And she goes, well, let's do this. <laughs> I said, come on, woman of God. We're coming. So I came back down. I got a job working at Dillard's. I said, I'll just go get a job if these guys won't help me. I'll get a job and build this church. So I get the job. And, I, and I'm there, and I'm all excited about getting the job. This is another trip a few weeks later. So I thought, you know, I'm going to call that guy up just to spite him and tell him I'm coming anyhow. I really, isn't that sad? Just being a little bit vulnerable here right now. Don't judge me. Well, you can judge me, but just forgive me. And, uh, and, so, and so, I, so I'm just, I call him up and say, hey, I'm coming. He goes, Russ Austin? Russ Austin? And he goes, yes. I'm, I just wanted to let you know, got a job, I'm coming. See you around. He goes, no, no, where are you? I said, I'm at the mall right in front of that little spud factory thing. He goes, stay right there. And, um, and so he gets, he says, I'll be right there. I'm not kidding. Three to five minutes. So he, he's just like right across the street. Comes flying up in his car. And I see him. And he runs across the parking lot. Sits down at the table. He goes, I can't believe you're here. You are here. I said, I told you I was here. And I'm going faster because I have to be done right now. But listen. He said, I'm talking to my wife, Sherry. And she is reading in Philippians where it says, Paul was talking of Timothy and says, I have no one like him who cares for the people like I do. And she said, that I think, Larry, may be that Russ Austin. Now watch. That may be that Russ Austin. Ring. He picks up the phone and, and so he goes, Russ Austin. I go, hey, Larry, this is Russ Austin. Not exaggerating. He's holding the phone, looking at his wife. He, he's, that's why he goes, where are you? I'm going in front of the spud factory. He said, I'll be right there. He came in, fast version, hands me a check for $18,000. They were living in tents in Midland. That's how they do in a boom. They were living in tents in Midland then. And he said, I got a house empty. You can have it. It was super nice. 
He said, you can have it for a year free. It's all yours. Today, there's a church out there, over 2,000 people, about 2,500 people are going to show up and they're going to worship between two cities and $20 million worth of building because a Baptist told me something in the hot tub. Because it became the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord carried me through all the hard days of building a church in Midland, I would remember, I'm going, no, I'm supposed to be here. It'll keep you in your marriage. It'll keep you in that job. It'll carry you through your circumstances. You folks need the word of the Lord. Bow your heads with me.